Hey guys, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that your love is never-ending and everlasting. We thank you, Lord, that you know every situation. You, you know what's going on. This did not surprise you. And so, Father, we uh, look to you. Give us wisdom. Give us guidance as we deal with people, as we are involved in, in different aspects of our community. We pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would look for opportunities maybe to be salt and light in the lives of uh, people that we live close to, people that we love, families, whatever it may be. And Lord, in all of this, uh, we pray. We pray that the extent of this virus would diminish quickly, that the, there would not be uh, great suffering. Father, pray for the people of this congregation, uh, the people who come and worship. Lord, that you would protect and uh, that you would keep care. Help us, Lord, to figure out ways that we can honor and glorify you best in the middle of this situation. We thank you, God, that ultimately... Our foundation is Jesus, and it is an unshakable foundation. We know that because of him, we are set. Our eternity is certain. And so now, Lord, it frees us to live now in a way that honors and glorifies you. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, First Church, it's Bob Mosley uh, coming to you through the internet, and I'm glad if you can, if you can watch this, uh, that would be great. We're... we're uh, starting to adjust to how things are going on right now. And I know there's a lot of controversy. I know there's a, a lot of discussion uh, in terms of us canceling church and, and this uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19, and how serious is it, how serious is it not. And uh, we made a decision. I made a, basically a decision this past week, and I just want to tell you quickly why, but then I want to get into the Word of God. Um, one of the things that really hit me was that... Um, in the United States, the rates of infection, of confirmed infections, has been doubling, and we, as far as we know, will continue to double. This is why so many of the experts want to take action now rather than waiting till it's on us, and, and I understand that. I know in the history of pandemics, uh, the, the 1918 Spanish flu, it was at first not taken very seriously, and that created some serious problems. You, all you have to do is look at the difference between how some cities reacted, uh, St. Louis, uh, shut everything down and uh, had very few deaths. And Philadelphia um, went on like nothing was wrong and suffered greatly in that period of time. Now, I know this is difficult, and I know there are different opinions. And uh, I just want to say, if I'm wrong about canceling church and uh, this turns out to be nothing, I will be thrilled with that, and I take full responsibility. I have no problem with that. But also I know that if the experts are right, and we've seen the doubling of cases, how that started ahead of us in Italy and Iran and other places, and they didn't react to it very timely, and it has been devastating for them. And if it turns out that, uh, that, that this turns out to be difficult, even close to what the experts are saying, then there's a real possibility that we have saved lives by doing that. And so I'm willing to take that chance and I'm willing to take the heat on that. That's no problem for me. But as we look at the Word of God, and what we want to do is I want us to be coming now uh, through this, even the possibility in a few weeks of live streaming, if we have to do that, if this continues, um, to, to continue to teach and give you opportunities to uh, sit and listen and learn from the Word of God. And so one of the things I was thinking about for us is that uh, 
there's this universal experience that everyone here knows, and that is this. Life doesn't always go as we plan. Uh, you notice how this happens? I mean, I, uh, we have people that just, I thought I was supposed to be married by now. I thought I was supposed to have retired by now. I thought I was supposed to be on a better financial track. I thought I was supposed to have children. Um, I thought I was going to be, you know, there's this dream that I have not achieved, or I didn't think I was supposed to go bankrupt, or I didn't think I was supposed to lose my job or get divorced, or have cancer. That wasn't the plan, and life rarely goes according to our plans. And what do we do when life does not go according to our plans? What do you do when fear is involved, and and, and it can even at times be overwhelming? What do you do when when your plans and your comfort are turned upside down? And we're in something like that now. Uh, This isn't what we planned and we are having to adjust to things. Uh, our government is putting restrictions that, that are, are difficult for us, and, and our, our healthcare professionals are telling us we need to do things differently. We need to live differently now. And this is not what we planned. And I think of a verse that we all love to quote, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And there's, those are great words, and that's a great truth, but context is key. And so I want to look at the context of Jeremiah 29 to see what's going on around it. The historical context is so key here. And so uh, I, I want to say this. We all have plans, but God does not say, I know the plans you have for you. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And in the Bible, God is always interrupting people's plans. Adam didn't plan on getting created. Noah didn't plan on building the ark. Abraham didn't plan on becoming the father of a new nation in his 90s. Esther did not plan on having to stop a genocide. Moses did not plan on defying Pharaoh. Mary did not plan on getting pregnant. Not a single story in the Bible begins with this. Then some human had a great plan. Because the Bible, like life itself, is not about your plans. It's not about my plans. It's about what God is doing. And so as we look at the nation, the, his, the history of the nation of Israel and Judah at this time, it's important that we understand the situation. Right? Culturally, we understand the situation. In the ancient world, all nations worshiped their own gods. They all had like tribal gods. And the general understanding was the better your nation is doing, the better your God is. Your God has a higher status. So if your nation is the strongest and the most powerful and the wealthiest, then your God is the great God. And if your nation doesn't do well, your God is a weak God. And so Israel thought the plan was they would become the greatest nation on earth so that everyone would see that that God is the greatest God. And that didn't work out for them. Their nation had fits and starts. They achieved some great uh, uh, points in time under David and under Solomon. And then it fell. And And they struggled with that. And so now what is happening? A superpower has come along named Babylon. We've been studying Hosea. We are right now in the end of, of uh, that time period that Hosea was written in. We're at the very end of that time period when all their worst fears come true. A new nation arises, a superpower named Babylon. They've been distracted by other wars. Now their wars are over and they've turned and they've looked south and they're looking at Judah. They're looking at all these prosperous areas where food is, is plentiful. And they attack, and they obliterate Judah. All the walled cities are destroyed. Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is demolished. 
the leaders, and many of the people, especially the best and the brightest and the healthiest, are taken into exile. They're forced to live in the city of Babylon. And so now the Israelites are living in this foreign country. Nothing is going according to plan. There's these radically different gods all around them, radically different values all around them, a different way of life all around them. No one planned this. So there are fears, there are rumors, there are conflicting opinions. Uh, people are lying. People are not telling what the people need to hear. And they're in exile. And this is the greatest crisis by far in the history of Israel. And yet it's fundamental to Israel's story. They're, they're, they're facing something. They're facing losing their home. They're facing losing their dreams. But even more importantly, this is what they're facing. Does the God of Israel really exist or was the whole thing a myth? Was it all a mistake? Does God make a difference? Does God care? And there is some hauntingly beautiful poetry that's written about that time. In Psalm 137, the first four verses, it says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for our captors asked us to sing songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? They're in an existential crisis because they have fallen for this trap too. Whoever's the biggest, whoever's the strongest, whoever's the wealthiest, whoever's the greatest, then their God must be the greatest. They must be the person worth, worth following. And they're saying a song about the greatness of God is impossible for us. We can't sing about God. We've been shattered. We live in fear. We live in dread. We, we, we live in a time where we just don't know what to do. And a letter comes to the people in Israel, in, in, of Israel who are in exile from Jeremiah the prophet. And Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem. And there's lots of questions that people have, and there's lots of people giving different answers. How long will this exile go on? What should they do while they're in exile? How should they relate to Babylon? In this swirl, in this chaos, Jeremiah writes these words. And they're quite controversial to the people then. He says this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you have encouraged them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back. For I, have the plan, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, we have to understand that what Jeremiah is saying here is very bold. It's what no one is listening. No one wants to hear this. People have been thinking in terms, two different, there's been two different ideas, two different strategies of how you live in exile. The first one is the one that Babylon, Babylon wants. It's for the is, is people of Israel to just assimilate to the exile. See, Babylon has been co conquering company, uh, countries right and left. And 
countries tend to resist that kind of thing. They want to rebel. And so Babylon's strategy was bring them to Babylon. Let them see our wealth, our splendor, our glory. Let them adopt our ways, take on our values, take on our lifestyles. Let them begin to worship our God and they will assimilate and they won't be a problem anymore. They'll become just like us. They won't rebel. It's that whole thing. If you can't beat them, join them. That's the first strategy. Now, of course, if Israel did this, they'd lose their identity. They'd lose their purpose. They'd lose their relationship with God. It would be the easy way, but it would be the worst way. So another strategy was that they just isolate themselves from the Babylonians. This is a very popular strategy. Israel should have nothing to do with Babylon. These false prophets, this is what they were telling them. They were telling them exile was going to be very short. It won't last long. God is bringing you back home very quickly. Trust us on this. So don't have anything to do with Babylon and stay outside. They were outside of the city of Babylon and these prophets were telling them, stay outside, stay together. And God's telling them, no, that's not right. Now we have to understand for us, the application here is we don't lose sight of who we are. We're to be salt and light in every circumstance. In this time, We're supposed to be saying to ourselves, how can I serve others? How can I show the love of Christ to others? How can I be salt and light in my community? And this is a time where I think fathers and mothers are going to have to say, I am responsible for leading my kids in worship, for training my kids in the word. The church can be a help in this, but ultimate responsibility lies in the home. This is a time where husbands and wives may have to spend a lot more time together than they expected and have to say, how can I learn to love better? How can I serve better? So it starts off in this Jeremiah passage. It starts off with says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So God says, I'm the Lord. I'm the God who is the most mighty. He said, this is Yahweh speaking. I have not lost my strength no matter what the situation is. Even though your plans aren't working out, I am working. He's the God of Israel. He has not forgotten his promise. But listen to what he says. He says, I am the one who carried you into exile. Everyone there thinks Babylon carried them into exile. And God is saying, no, I am involved here. I am up to something here. In verse 5, he tells them, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. He tells them to marry, to give their sons and daughters in marriage, you know, and to increase in number. What is he saying? He tells them, this is going to last 70 years. You have to continue. And he's saying, this generation that is hearing this message, you'll never return. You will live and grow old and you will die in exile. Not what these prophets and diviners are telling you. This is what God is telling you. He says, because you can handle this, because what you really need is not just in Jerusalem. I will be with you in Babylon. I am with you in exile. You need me. So I want you to permeate this world that you find yourselves. I want you to be salt and light. I want you to build. I want you to plant. I want you to marry. What is he saying? I want you to live life. There's an interesting aspect here about worship in Deuteronomy. Um, when they would, he tells them that when they build a house, the first thing they do is they bless the house and they give it to God. They say, God, this is for you. We worship you by giving you our house. When they would plant a field, the first tenth of the crop was offered to God as worship. 
When they got married, they would enter into a covenant that reflected God's love for his people. And so God is telling them, live that way. Live in the present. Not just sitting around hoping for the future. Because at this point, what they're doing is they're just existing in Babylon, hoping that the future will come quickly and they'll go home. But he's telling them during this time, he says, I want you to pray more. I want you to serve more. During, the, during these difficult times, the deepest lesson we can learn is that God is with us at every moment. And so as we deal with the difficulties and the disruptions that are occurring in our lives because of this virus, don't lose sight of the fact that God is working. There is, I was going to say quite possibly, but I'm going to say undoubtedly, God has plans and he is doing things right now that we can't even see. And he wants to work through you right now. So don't just focus on when is this over. It is here, and God intends to use it for his glory. God is going to grow his church in this time. He's going to do it. And it is here, and God is going to use it. And so he's telling them that Jeremiah, and God speaking through Jeremiah, is telling them, you're going to be here a long time, and they don't like this. And then in verse 7, he goes even further. He says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, picture this. Think about this. This is a crowd of exiles that have gathered together. A messenger comes from Jeremiah. He unrolls a scroll, scroll and he says, thus saith the Lord. And he says, I want you to pray to the God of Israel for Babylon the country and the city that just destroyed them. Some of them saw loved ones killed in these battles. They took them into exile. And he says, I want you to pray for the people who have ruined your lives. Not only that, I want you to devote your energies and your skills to bring peace to the people who brought war to you, to bring prosperity to the city that was a devastation to your city. He's saying there is a radical new way I want you to be present in your culture. And God says to his people, I don't want you to assimilate. There are going to, there are going to be values there that are ungodly. There are going to be idolatries there. There are going to be lifestyles there. I don't want you to live like they live. I want you to walk closely with me. Don't get caught up with them because that would be the easiest thing to do. But don't isolate yourself from them either. I want you to become salt and light and permeate that culture. He's telling them, get into the culture. Permeate the culture. And pray for them. In verse 7, he says, seek the peace and the prosperity. You know, this is not health and wealth. These peace, this prosperity. He uses the word shalom. There's a theologian that said, uh, he says, we call shalom peace, but it means far more than peace or peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. I want you to live depending on me in such a way that the Babylonians look at you and they say, you know, it's a funny thing about those Israelites. I don't believe in their God. I don't belong to their religion. I don't like all their ideas. But since they've moved here, we are better for it. I like what they've done. Our city would be a poorer, darker place if the Israelites weren't here. So we look for ways to bring blessing, ways to bring shalom to our communities in the worst of times. And so as we look at this, one of the things we're thinking as a church, well, how do we react? 
Well, as individuals, we have a responsibility to be salt and light. As individuals, we have a responsibility to be willing in a moment's notice to share the good news with other people. If this virus continues to become what most experts say it will become, we will be gripped in a fear. People will be worrying about dying. Who can speak better to that subject than the people who, like the Apostle Paul, say, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I, want to, I'm, I will see Jesus. I will see Jesus. And so we can meet those needs in our community. We also want to respond as a church and just say, do you need help? Do you need people to help you pick up uh, drugs from a pharmacy? We, we have older folks in our community that should not be going out. And we want to say, if you need something, message us here. on, on uh, Go through our, our website. You can have the tools. You can message us. We have people that are willing to respond and help for those that need it. Do you need prayer? Even if it's not about the coronavirus, if there's just something going on right now. As a church, let's do this. Message us. We will post it. And then people can pray. This is a great time for us. We have lots of time for prayer as things continue in this way. Uh, some people have expressed the desire maybe of getting together in smaller groups to pray and study and fellowship. If you would like to do that, you message us. We will help people connect with other people in, from our community of believers, and we will help facilitate it. We will supply you with study or discussion guide materials for you to do, and you can get together and worship and pray and fellowship with people. We encourage you to keep it small, but we want to be salt and light. We'll have sermons each week, depending on how this goes. Uh, we will have, a, a, I've been doing uh, for, for the last year or so, a, a little, it's not a series, I don't know what it is, but it's just called, Not a Message, Just a Thought. It's little nuggets of truth from weird, obscure corners of my brain that, uh, that I think you might find interesting or helpful in your walk with Christ. And we're going to start putting up more of those to, to just to be able to communicate with you what God is doing, what, how God is, and how much He's working in our lives. Um, we're hoping that uh, this coming Sunday we may be able to put on, maybe not live stream, but put out with, with some music to worship to and also a message to listen to the teaching. And, uh, and I would say this. If this turns out to be close to what they're saying it will be, in the next few weeks, our city, our body of believers will be deluged with needs. There will be people who will have lost their jobs because restaurants close or things like whatever, whatever it may be. People who are needing help. And so we also ask you this, and you guys know how much I hate talking about money, but I will say this. You can... Continue to give. We encourage you to continue to give to the church. Uh, bills have to pay. The, the, the monthly payment on the building has to be paid. Bills have to be paid. And also, though, we're anticipating having uh, accelerated levels of need in our uh, body of believers and people who need help, uh, oftentimes financially. And we want to be able to do that. And so, um, we encourage you to keep giving. You can mail checks in. You can go to our website, go online, and you can give online. Um, we want to make that as easy as possible for you. But we also, uh, that's a part of our worship. That's a part of how we worship God, even in the most difficult of situations. So this is where we're at. 
and uh, this situation is changing dramatically. By the end of the week, we will let you know, Thursday or Friday, Friday probably we will let you know about this next Sunday and Sundays beyond as we evaluate the situation and do the best we can um, as, as we feel that God instructs us to do. And we thank you for being a part of our community. And uh, I miss you guys, and I love you like crazy. Um, so thanks for listening.